Please do sit down. Okay, I thought we'd thought we'd start by having a bit of fun, and this might be a bit hard for some of you because, not that to have a bit of fun in church, but um, the more important thing because I've I've done a little quiz, and I some of these questions I didn't know the answer to until about ten days ago, and it might challenge some of you as well. I hope it doesn't, but we'll we'll see. So shall we? Let let's see how much we know about what's going on in our world. Here we go. Put the first question up. What were the most popular movies for children in 2015? Come on, who can give me any answers whatsoever? No. Hold on. No, it wasn't Frozen. That was in 2014. Who said one? Gone. Inside Out. Inside Out was one. Harvey? Minions is two. Come on, you should know these. It was Star Wars. I don't want all my, all my kids answering the questions. Come on. What was it? Go on, Taylor. It was Cinderella. I knew you'd get that one. And there's one more to go. It's a film out. Well, they're, they're out at the Cineworld at the moment. You can go and watch two of them this afternoon. In fact, a few of them. Yeah. There we go. These were the top five movies last year. In case you didn't know, the top left one, Star Wars. And that's Minions. And that's Inside Out and the Avengers and there's, there's Cinderella, right? This one's really going to challenge you. If you thought that was hard. Who is Little Baby Bum? Do you know? Anybody know Little Baby Bum is? I didn't know, no. But, um, this is one of the most popular YouTube channels out there. That's Little Baby Bum. Do you know what it's about? You know, it's, it's amazing what, what people will do to earn a bit of money these days, isn't it? Some parents in 2011 in London decided that there was nothing on YouTube to do with nursery rhymes. And so they created their own YouTube channel with nursery rhymes to kind of modern renditions and so on from there. Let's try and make it a bit easier then. What was the top toy for boys in 2015? Yeah, it is Star Wars, but it's something a bit more. Not a lightsaber. Not a Lego. Pardon? No. It was a particular thing in Star Wars. It wasn't a helmet. It wasn't a lightsaber. Pardon? Howard got it. The Millennium Falcon. That was the most popular book. Right. If you thought they were hard, here's the next one. (laughs) What does Jesus look like now? Us? There's one answer. Half he's got one. Do I want to know this? In the movies, he's black and he's got a beard. Well, yeah. Anybody got anything more than us? We'll have to listen later then. Okay, then. 
some of these might be a bit random, but some of them have got a point to them, as we'll see. Who took six putts from less than one meter at the first hole of the Masters last month? Ernie Els. There he is. He's never going to forget that. Right. Who wrote these words? If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than others. Who wrote them? I'm very impressed that you were listening last week. There we go. Paul. And so we're going to... It wasn't too hard. And Amanda, are you going to read for us? Yeah? Come on then. The reading is taken from page 1062 in the Pew Bible. In the Pew Bible. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still do not, did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the, and the Psalms. Um, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Thank you, Amanda. Let us pray. Lord, there's a great verse in this passage, which says, "Then Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures." So, Lord, would you open our minds now to understand all that these words mean? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
I asked you that question, what does Jesus look like now? What does Jesus look like now? You know, I had this thought the other day, and maybe I'm the only one who thinks like this, but do you ever wonder what you will look like in the place that many people call heaven? Do you ever think about that? Is that just a completely random thing? Am I the only one who thinks like that? But do you ever think on maybe a a rainy Tuesday morning? Hmm. wonder what I'll look like in the place that many people call heaven. You know, maybe for some of us that's just too difficult a thought to think about. Oh, it's too abstract. Or maybe for some of us it's we're just too busy and we're just focused on the now that to think about the future is too much to do. Or we think maybe, oh, that's a long, long way away. So I don't have to think about it. Or as I said to the eight o'clockers this morning, maybe for some it's a bit more too close for comfort. Or maybe we have this idea that we're just going to play a harp and we're going to sit on a cloud and we're just going to wear a nice robe. Because, of course, that's in the Bible, isn't it? That's what people think, isn't it? Not. You know, what will we look like in this place that we know as heaven and then some of us we get stupid don't we because we live in a culture that's fixated with appearance and body image and what you look like so we kind of think stupid questions like this don't we we think oh well i've never liked my nose in this life so will i have the same nose in the next life or we we look at it and we think If we've lived maybe more than 30 years, let's say, we look through our lives and we think, well, I looked my best at that age. So when I get to that place, will it be that I will look better than what I've ever looked on this earth? You know, we think stupid things like that. And of course, we don't know everything, but we do know some things. This is what we know. The only hope we have of heaven, or that place that people call heaven, the only hope we have is because Jesus rose from the dead. The only evidence we have of what we will look like is what Jesus looked like in these stories that a man, one of the which was Amanda read for us this morning. Because as we heard last week, Jesus was given the prototype. Jesus was given the model body that all of us will then adopt. So as we look at this story, do you remember anything about it as Amanda read it? You know, the disciples are there, aren't they? They're all gathered together and they think they're seeing a ghost, don't they? They think Jesus is some sort of ghost, someone who's disembodied. And Jesus says, hey, it's me. And they're not quite sure about it. They're a bit startled, aren't they? And he says, hey, it's me. Look, touch me. Touch me. You can see I've got flesh and bones like you. That's one thing. And then he says, well, look a bit more and you can see I've got a voice. I've got hands. I've got feet. You know, in many ways, Jesus' body is similar to what ours is now. And it also, once it got over the shock, he was recognizable to them, wasn't he? They knew who he was. Now, I don't know about you. I think that's really important. I think it's really important that you will know people who you knew on this earth in the place called heaven. I think that's really important. And then this will please some of us, won't we? 
We still eat food. Because Jesus eats this fish that's been cooked on the open fire. So there's lots of, lots of similarities. But there's, there's something that, I don't know about you, I got a bit unsure about this when I was reading it. Because Jesus says to them, doesn't he, look at my hands and look at my feet. Now, why does he say, look at my hands and look at my feet, if nothing else than to say, there's some nail marks there. There's some suffering there. And I kind of thought, you know, we get fixated with appearance and beauty in this world. And what does it mean that Jesus' resurrection body still in some way bore the marks of his suffering? How can that possibly be? And the best explanation that I found on this was from a, a guy called Tom Wright, who's the former Bishop of Durham, now a professor of theology at St. Andrew's University, who spent more time than any other looking at the resurrection over the past 35 years. And it's as if what he was saying was that these, these marks that in this world were known for pain and suffering will be transformed for victory and for glory. Our bodies are similar, but they're different. Different because, as we all know, our present bodies get ill. We'll die one day. And yet Jesus doesn't get ill now. He's still just as much alive today as he was 2,000 years ago when he rose from the dead. And we can see they're different as well because, well, our bodies are kind of like we just breathe air, don't we? but we know there'll come a day when we can't breathe air anymore. Whereas Jesus' body is, is animated by God's spirit of the new creation. It's a bit like this. I asked you that quiz question about, did you know the person who took six putts from less than one meter? Now, James is going to show that clip for us now. And just as he's, he's putting that up, you know, sometimes maybe you've watched a great sporting person and you've watched them all through their career and they used to be great. And then something like this happens towards the end of their career. Now, Niels, this will be for par on the first. He found the fear with his drive. Unsuccessful with a birdie, but... The sunlight comes and goes in for Pandot in for par. Goodness, do you see a putter there, Paul, as well? What that just went off in his hand. He flinched on that one. Oh, oh my goodness, that was careless. Not going to move on. Oh, this is how what's going on. A look to the caddy and oh, Jason Day turns away. How many is that now? One, two, three, four. So that's four putts already. Yeah, I think that's right, Andrew. This is, oh my goodness, this will be his fifth putt. He missed the green and pitched up to there. Had that putt for par from right here earlier. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's sad. That's all you can say about that. Very, very sad. Golfers will understand. People might mock him. That's horrible. Just such a, such a great champion. I mean, it's a bit like when you've ever played crazy golf, isn't it? And you try to put the ball, and you just, you just look at that, and I just sort of like thought, almost like he's just a 
a shadow of what he was. It's a bit like when you see someone who you've known most of your life and you still recognize them, but they're just a shadow of who they used to be. And I thought about that when I was thinking about how will we be different from what we are now? And it's as if who we are now is a mere shadow of what we will be in the future. You know, for me, the resurrection is the most important event in the Bible. It's the most important event in history. And for the disciples, when it happened, they were kind of similar to everyone else, weren't they? If you look at their reaction, they were startled. They were surprised when Jesus just turned up. What else were they? They were, they were frightened. They think they've seen a ghost. What else? They were troubled. What else do we read? The doubts rise in their minds. And then, this is the best one, isn't it? They still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. This is what that means. It means, oh, lovely to see you, Jesus, but I don't believe it's you. That's what that means. It's as if they were saying, oh, lovely to see you. I'm having this conversation with you, Jesus, but I don't believe it's you. They were similar to everyone else, probably at that time, but then they were different because of what happened afterwards. Completely and utterly different. And why was that? Well, I think, like we are, like Jesus' disciples today, we're so similar to them. But we can also be different from everywhere else because the resurrection calls us to be different. You know, we're to be similar. As Jesus' disciples were just the same as everybody else. We're not to be separate. We're not to be weird in any way whatsoever. But we're to be different because our beliefs and our behavior have been marked by Jesus' resurrection. And then we live out these words. This was a, a tweet that I, I heard this week. If we put it on the screen here. Since the chances of dying are 100%, why wouldn't you build your life around its one inevitability? That's what it means to be marked by the resurrection. It means that we are similar just as everyone else's. But our lives have been impacted and changed by Jesus' resurrection, so much so that we build our lives around this one inevitability. Let us pray. Jesus prayed and then he opened their minds so they could understand their scriptures. So Lord, as
we have prayed earlier. Now, Lord, would you help us to live our lives understanding the scriptures of what it means to know that you rose from the dead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.